Mr. Cheney, are you ready to take the oath? I am. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, James Danforth Quayle. I, Michael Richard Pence. I, Spiro Theodore Agnew. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. do solemnly swear. Welcome to the 11th episode of Running Mates. It's your host, Lars Emerson, and as always, joined by my co-host, Mike Levito. Hello. This is the podcast where we look at every presidential election through the lens of vice presidential picks. We talk about who they should have chosen instead. This week, we're talking about George W. Bush's re-election with his VP, Dick Cheney, and their challengers, amateur windsurfer John Kerry, (laughs) and his running mate, that pretty boy who would go on to lead a perfectly normal life after all of this, John Edwards. Let's set the scene. Okay. It is 2004, but, you know, in case you forgot, back in 2001, less than a year after taking his oath of office, expecting a domestic-oriented presidency, terrorists hijacked several airlines and flew them into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. Bush responded with a war in Afghanistan, a war on terror, and a subsequent war in Iraq, which became increasingly controversial as the 2004 election nears. But security, especially homeland security, in the wake of 9-11, is at the forefront of the nation's attention. Foreign policy suddenly matters again after the more domestically oriented 90s, and it's hard to avoid talking about America's role in the world all over again. On the Democratic side, originally, former Vermont Governor Howard Dean appeared the frontrunner, a centrist governor turned left-wing firebrand strongly opposed to the Bush policies, especially the war in Iraq. Him and his band of so-called Deaniacs did not hesitate to similarly admonish pro-war Democrats like last episode's star, Joe Lieberman. Dean faces off most ardently with former House Minority Leader and Rep from Missouri, Dick Gephardt. They turn quite negative against each other, which allows the up-to-this-point underperforming candidacy of John Kerry, Senator from Massachusetts, to break through and claim victory in Iowa and New Hampshire. Howard Dean stumbles, no thanks to his high-energy performances and the Dean scream. And John Edwards, uh, the pretty boy senator from North Carolina, wins South Carolina, but Super Tuesday results in big wins for Kerry. Edwards drops out, and Kerry becomes the presumptive nominee in early March, over four months before the convention. Sounds kind of similar to like something that just happened. On the Republican side, Bush, he announces in mid-2003 that he would seek re-election, and he started raising in like an absurd amount of money. Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chafee, who opposed the Iraq War and, and war drilling and a lot of Bush's social policies, he considered entering the New Hampshire primary, but decided not to after the capture of Saddam Hussein kind of assured Bush would end up being renominated. Hmm. As for who each of them chose as their running mate, so Kerry chooses his Democratic primary opponent, North Carolina Senator John Edwards. The Kerry campaign felt they strongly needed like a red or a swing state Democrat to help make the map more competitive for the New Englander John Kerry. Edwards and Gephardt were both pretty logical choices for this, uh, but Edwards was probably fairly seen as more charismatic, kind of a fresher face, and polling indicated that Democratic voters preferred Edwards. Unusual to choose someone who ran against you in a primary. It is historically a little odd. It is. It happened in 2008. Yeah, and it happened in 80, but those are like the three yeah. main examples. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bush decides to keep Dick Cheney, but not without considering a change. Actually, in his book, Decision Points, Bush said that he considered replacing Cheney with Senate Majority Leader Bill Frist of Tennessee after there was some friction between Bush and Cheney after Bush decided to fire Donald Rumsfeld as Secretary of Defense and refused to pardon Scooter Libby, who was, you know, convicted after making false statements, I believe, in the the Plame affair. But apparently the two ended up reconciling and they teamed up again for 2004. 
I didn't know this until we were doing our research on the episode. Yeah, I don't think anybody knew it until Bush wrote about it. Yeah. Yeah. Moving right along, the VP debate between Cheney and Edwards uh, got a bit spicy. A large portion obviously focused on the war on terror and the American military involvement in the Middle East over the last few years. Cheney, of course, defended the war in Iraq as absolutely the right thing to do, while Edwards insisted that Cheney and Bush had not been straight with the American people about the war. Cheney barbed that Edwards was so inexperienced that the first time he'd ever met Edwards was tonight, which was not true, and Edwards' big line against Cheney was, a long resume does not equal good judgment. Boom. That sums up Dick Cheney right there. This is true. Cheney and Bush's stance on gay marriage made for an awkward line of questioning, as the fact that Cheney had a gay daughter came up during the debate. Though Edwards was similarly opposed to gay marriage, and did say that he believes that Cheney loves his daughter. Edwards closed the debate by saying he would, quote, tell the truth. And well, if you know anything about John Edwards, you'll note the irony there. (laughs) On net, however, uh, viewers felt the debate was kind of a wash, but ultimately seemed to feel that Cheney was more qualified. Though my personal favorite polling nugget, one poll reads, quote, uncommitted women preferred Edwards. (laughs) It's just a great line. Yeah. Into the general election, Bush spent the general election basically copying his father's strategy in 1988, seeking to portray his Massachusetts opponent as a, quote, Massachusetts liberal. You know, H.W. used this against Dukakis in the 88 election we talked about. As election day drew nearer, there was an increasing focus on the two candidates' military histories, namely Bush's lack of service and shirking of his Texas Air National Guard duties and Kerry's Navy service in Vietnam for which he received a Silver Star, Bronze Star, and three Purple Hearts. After Vietnam, however, Kerry became a prominent anti-war activist with Vietnam veterans against the war, and he even testified before Congress in 1971 in a hearing related to the end of the war. A group called Swift Boat Veterans for Truth ran a disinformation campaign questioning Kerry's military service. There's a really good book called True Enough by Farhad Manju, which is about essentially disinformation. It was published, I think, like before 2008, mid-2000, somewhere. Like, there's a whole chapter on Swift Boat Veterans for Truth and how it was all trumped up and how it kind of replicated a lot of the strategies used by, like, the tobacco industry mm. when, you know, it first came out that tobaccos were uh, uh, not good for you. So, yeah, just a lot of... Just, like, blatantly false, actually. Yeah. Like, the people who I don't think even, like, served with Kerry were, like, a members of it and said that they did. It, it was all a big thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, we talk a lot about, like, disinformation on elections, mm-hmm. obviously, after 2016. It's, like, weird to think that this has kind of always been happening, in yeah. a way. Mm-hmm. Anyway. By October, polling narrowed, and Kerry and Bush were neck and neck. In the final days before the election, Osama bin Laden released a video taunting George W. Bush over his response to 9-11 and telling Americans not to vote for him, which led to a boost in Bush's poll numbers. And come election night, Americans chose not to follow bin Laden's guidance. The map was remarkably similar to 2000's map, actually, with Bush winning middle America in the South and the Democrat winning the West Coast and the Northeast, as well as most of the Midwest. In fact, the only differences in the map were Bush picked up Iowa and New Mexico, though he dropped New Hampshire, winning a relatively thin 286 electoral votes to Kerry's 251 overall. The tipping point state in this election, Ohio, went for Bush by 2.1%, and Bush did win the popular vote overall and is to date the only president to have lost the popular vote and then won re-election. Knock on whatever this thing is, (laughs) that, that, that trend holds up. Yeah. Uh, You'll note that in this electoral college count, one vote is missing because one Minnesota elector cast a vote for John Ewards for president, presumably trying to vote for John Edwards. No one actually knows what happened here as that elector remains anonymous, 
but the Electoral College counted it as a presidential vote for John Edwards. Anyway, having been reelected, Bush and Cheney head on to face a spate of now domestic challenges in the next four years. So what, what did happen to Cheney, Mike? Well, he remained a big player in the Bush administration, where he continued to try and expand the powers of the executive branch. He was a big fan of the unitary executive theory. The Plame Affair kind of came to a head, and CBS News, like in, in kind of their investigation of it, basically openly speculated about whether or not Cheney had created a fourth branch of government that was not subject to any laws, basically. There was this image of Cheney as kind of this guy behind the scenes who was creating his own little fiefdoms and sort of like plans, you know, uh, separate from the Bush administration, but like kind of driving policy towards it. People really, really start to hate him because of that. He's just becomes probably one of the most unpopular vice presidents of all time. Just blamed for basically everything bad that happens in the Bush administration. A great thing that like <laughs> encapsulates how like hated he was is that, you know, there was that sort of famous incident where he accidentally shot someone in the face when he was like quail hunting and his approval rating dropped five percentage points, which might seem low for some shooting someone in the face, but they dropped five percentage points to 18%, which meant that they were 23% before that. Like, do you know how many people have to, like, hate you for your approval rate to be that low? Like, not even Trump. Like, Trump still has, like, a floor of, like, 40%. And Cheney got it all the way down to 18%. And he was the vice president. <laughs> like, that's insane. Like, I feel like there's not... A lot of people don't like Trump. I don't think people appreciate just how pretty much everybody in the country agreed that they did not like Bush and Janey after a few years. Yeah, The vitriol was, like, very real. Anyway, after serving two terms as vice president, Janey remained active in the Republican Party fundraising circuit. He wrote some books. And he never felt shy about criticizing Obama's foreign policy. Uh, he was most notably one of the first Republicans to come out in favor of same-sex marriage, likely because one of his daughters, Mary, is a lesbian. In 2016's other daughter, Liz, was elected to Dick's old seat as representative from Wyoming's at-large congressional district. And in 2018, Adam McKay also made a movie called Vice that was about Dick Cheney. Actually, it was not very good, but was not made for Best Picture anyway. Liz Cheney is now one of the most powerful Republicans in Congress. Yes. Fun fact. As for what happens to John Edwards, <laughs> well, so he declined to run for his Senate seat and instead went on to declare a run for the presidency years later after this election. He got what is technically third place in the 2008 Democratic primary behind Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. In late 2007, however, a bit before that, tabloids began reporting that Edwards had had an affair with a campaign staffer named Riel Hunter and had fathered a child out of the affair, but it only really broke into mainstream reporting in mid-2008 after Edwards was basically a non-entity in the presidential race, though outlets had started reporting on his possible VP or cabinet-level appeal. After denying the allegations, in August when enough had built up, Edwards admitted to the affair, but not the child. Edwards' wife, Elizabeth, also had pretty serious cancer at this time, and some staffers reported that Edwards had told Hunter that once his wife died, he would then marry her in an extravagant ceremony on a New York rooftop in which the Dave Matthews Band would play. <laughs> Does nothing ever good happen with the Dave Matthews Band, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, what, what a dick. So... Uh, in 2010, Edwards fessed up to being the father of the child, after initially having another campaign staffer cover for him by claiming to be the father. Edwards' wife, who had stuck with him for the last two years after he admitted the affair but before he admitted the child, then separated from him but died of cancer shortly thereafter before they could get officially divorced. Edwards was indicted in 2011 because of the use of his campaign funds to cover up the affair, which he was found not guilty of on one count, and there were mistrials declared on the others, so the Department of Justice just kind of gave up. Meanwhile, 
Hunter sued Andrew Young, who was the staffer who initially covered for Edwards by pretending to be the father, because Young intended to make a film about the whole debacle and had acquired personal images and videos. This resulted in a court-ordered destruction of the Hunter Edwards sex tape. And Hunter and Edwards are no longer together. As of 2015, true love is not real. Uh, and Edwards with his political life over, has retreated into malpractice law back home in North Carolina. Let's talk about someone who flew way too close <laughs> yeah. to the sun there. <laughs> I remember when I was pretty young when the 2004 election was going on, and like I knew my parents were Republicans, so they were probably always going to vote for Bush. But like I remember when Carrie asked Edward this is running my mom being like, I don't trust John Edwards. There's something slippery about him. Like He's like a slippery lawyer. I don't like him. It's like maybe she like intuited something <laughs> yeah. about his character just by looking at him. Speaking <clears throat> of that, according to John Kerry's 2004 campaign advisor, Kerry regretted picking Edwards, and the two do not speak anymore. And that was reported as early as 2007. So good prescience there, <laughs> John Kerry. Cool. So that's what happened to those very popular guys. Let's get to the main part. Mike and I each came to the table with five alternative picks for Kerry's running mate, and since. Uh, Bush is the incumbent. We'll do just two for him, like we usually do, and we will unpack those picks. I'll start first on the Democratic ticket. My number five pick, Bill Nelson, freshman senator from Florida, former state bureaucrat and representative from Florida in the 80s. He was the first member of the House of Representatives to fly on a space shuttle as he was a payload specialist during the 1986 Columbia mission. He won that Senate seat in Florida by 5% in the same year that Gore, quote-unquote, lost Florida by just over 500 votes. That's a little impressive, you know? Mm -hmm. He's a centrist member of Senate Armed Forces and the Foreign Relations Committees, and he went on missions to Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Central Asia following 9-11. He's got some foreign policy cred there. The Washington Post said of his strong prospects as a VP contender at this time, quote, he is an army veteran and a devout Christian with a squeaky clean image and has a history of picking up votes in a traditionally Republican territories. The reason he's only number five on my list is that Florida is actually not that close this year. Comes in for Bush at over 5%, but it's hard not to have a Florida person, especially one that seems pretty clean and popular. Yeah, and like Florida would have flipped the election, I'm pretty sure. So Yeah, I wish um, it would have been a little closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also went with Bill Nelson. Kind of reminded me of John Glenn, not just because they're both astronauts, but like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this more as we go down, down the list. It's like, I think Kerry's history of anti-Vietnam War activism is actually like, a big liability for him mm. um even though you know he, he does have more military credentials than george w bush you know he did actually serve in vietnam and serve in a war and you know just made a decision that it was not worth fighting and, and so he, he he put that into action but you know that get, that'll just get basically misconstrued as sort of a lack of patriotism and just as as just kind of like a general sort of like crazy liberal pacifist kind of thing mm. and i think that you know nelson's an astronaut there that's heroic that's patriotic i think he would help elevate the carry ticket in that regard the same way that you know john glenn might elevate when you have like the tickets in the 80s and this or the late 70s with his presence right it's just like heart everybody loves an astronaut and i mean he's been to space once sure but he's still been to space still has he's, he's worn like an american flag on his shoulder and and you know like you said it's like he won he's won over republican votes that what was the deciding state in 2000 it just seems like a logical choice right yeah he, he's got the credentials you know maybe he's i won't call him green because he's been in congress for a bit but maybe he's, he's, he's not clean he's clean people seem to like yeah yeah it just seems like a genuine um, good guy but i could see where he may not be like enough of a name as well 
So, not to critique both of our number five pick, <laughs> but do, do you think choosing a Florida person after what happens in 2000 kind of screams, like, desperate? It is a little transparent. Right. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, too. And and maybe it's a little bit of an overreaction, because I just said Bush would win Florida by, like, 5%. Yeah. I, I definitely hear that. And it, it maybe even seems like a little sour grapes Mm. And and just kind of like reminds people of like this really like long and drawn out process that I'm sure some people blame Gore for. So yeah, I, I think that's a fair a fair critique. My other critique of our number five pick. So Bill Nelson loses re-election in 2018 to Rick Scott mm-hmm. in a Democratic wave election mm-hmm. where like the rest of the country went for Democrats by like over eight percent, right? Yeah. And we've sort of talked personally about maybe he's just not very good at campaigning. Right. Well, I th- when the I think it was like the Tampa Bay Times or some newspaper in Tampa published an article after Nelson lost to Scott. And it was basically like Nelson just basically got lucky where he just went up against like very poor opponents. And he'd run, you know, he ran in 2000, 2006, 2012, which are at best pretty good years for Democrats. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Though 2018 is too. Yeah. It's also just like, you know, 14 years later and things have changed and things are just like very different <laughs> there was also russian hacking involved in the 20s. right i mean at this point louisiana still had not had elected a republican senator since reconstruction so hmm. it <laughs> just like there was a shift you know over the next 14 years so yeah. i think that knowing that information now doesn't really change my opinion on picking him in, in this instance yeah the fact that he still beat gore's numbers by five percent right good yeah cool all right that was our number five mm-hmm. moving to number four Number four, so this is my symbolic pick. I went with Washington Governor Gary Locke, a descendant of Chinese-American immigrants turned Eagle Scout, who was able to attend Yale University thanks to financial aid, scholarships, and working part-time. He became a state representative in Washington before being elected King County Executive and then Governor of Washington in 1996. He's the first Asian governor in continental American history. Thank you. There have been Asian governors of Hawaii before him. But, you know, talk, talk about it like an American dream story, right? Mm. And which maybe counters this more Northeastern liberal carry perception. You know, Locke was a no new taxes kind of governor, kind of funnily enough. And he attacked the center like pretty hard, which is something his own party was not happy about. He was chosen to give the Democratic Party's response to Bush's 2003 State of the Union. And then afterwards, he and his family received piles of hate mail and death threats. And then he declined to seek re-election for a third term. People think may have been because of that. But maybe this highlights the problematic elements that have kind of cultivated behind the Bush administration while still like having this patriotic edge, right? And I think just in general, Asian Americans are like a demographic that are sorely underrepresented in American politics. And they're pretty evenly split between Democrats and Republicans. They also have big representation in coastal states and Nevada, another close state in this election. He'd become, you know, later in life, he'd become Obama's first Secretary of Commerce and then later ambassador to China. So even though he did leave politics, he came back. Yeah, that was gonna be my big question is that like after receiving all those death threats a year earlier, is he really gonna wanna run for vice president? I, I mean, he comes back on the scene and like, isn't it a, isn't it a message? It's like, you can't, you can't kick me right, down. Yeah, right. Yeah. Secretary of Commerce is a much different level of visibility than vice president, I will mm. say. I, I don't hate this pick. I guess it's just, I, I appreciate the logic, especially since like education is Bush's kind of pet issue. The whole compassionate conservatism thing, like Locke yeah. is like a, well, he, he kind of went through that. So he, he knows what it's like and, and he'll, he'd be better positioned than, you know, the son of like an oil baron to speak and work on those issues. I, I don't know. Instead of a Northeastern liberal, let's go with a 
Northwestern liberal, even though he's really but, not that liberal. But he's like very, and I think that's what's interesting is in this like 2004 period where you still got the war on terror. Is this guy was like, yeah, I was for, no, I didn't want taxes at all, and mm-hmm. I think there are genuine complaints with the Democratic platform. But like you often say, how Democrats need to be more comfortable wrapping themselves in the flag. Mm-hmm. I think this is a way to do it in an inclusive way, mm-hmm. which is kind of what like the Clinton campaign tried to do in 2016, mm-hmm. but didn't ac- actually make a bold choice. Mm-hmm. I think this is a bold. The guy was an Eagle Scout, you know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's just an yeah. exciting, yeah. symbolic thing. Who happens to just be like a very centrist Democrat? Yeah. That, that, that's a fair point. Do, do you worry that because Dean did well at the first part of the primary and that Edwards was viewed as like a little bit of a populist, do you view that choosing this sort of like centrist new Democrat will cause division within the party ranks? Do you think that'll be a problem? I don't think so. I don't remember it as well as I remember like 2016 <laughs> or 2020. Right, right. It feels like Dean petered out in a way mm-hmm. that more recent populist politicians have not yeah is i think dean kind of became a joke yeah i don't think like bernie or obviously trump became a joke to that degree Mm -hmm. yeah okay all right well i'll go to my number four then i went with mark warner governor of virginia he's also a centrist democrat he's from a bush state a state that went for bush in both 2000 and 2004 i went with him because he gives the Kerry campaign which i feel like focused a lot on foreign policy a lot of domestic governing credentials he lowered food and some income taxes while increasing taxes on cigarettes and sales while he was governor and he saw a boost to the state's revenue by about 1.5 billion dollars and he also spearheaded the single largest investment in k-12 education giving him credibility on bush's pet issue like i was kind of talking about gary Locke, an opportunity to highlight the failures of the no child left behind act which had been passed at this point He's also credited with helping Democrats score a lot of local electoral victories in Virginia. Like, he was kind of viewed as so popular that he lifted a lot of other Democrats in what was a very swingy state, and still is on a local level, especially. So he might be, like, just an effective campaigner, and especially, like, you know, in other in other races, right? In, in sort of Senate races and House races mm. across the country. He just seems like a good guy to have in your corner. Um, he seems to know what he's doing, even though he is, like, a little green. He hasn't been governor for that long. He's only been governor two years. Yeah. And he didn't really do any—he's never held elective office before that. True. Spiro Agnew was only governor for two yeah, years. Yeah, look how that worked out. <laughs> so yeah, de- definitely kind of young and green, but I don't know. I like the location. I like how people seem to like him, and I, li- I like how he's like an education-focused guy. I kind of think, funnily enough, because now they serve together, this is like the Tim Kaine choice. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, this is just picking a guy that everyone kind of seems to like. Mm-hmm. He's pretty qualified. I think Tim Kaine was more qualified. Mark Warner just hasn't done much at this point. He's only been on the scene as governor two years. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if there's like a worry of like Warner who? Like who? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is he too new? Like how, how do you build this guy as like an icon? I, I've seen Mark Warner speak. <laughs> I don't see him as like a, a, a like firebrand out there, you know? But- he seems just like a guy who's good at running an organization. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Maybe Maybe he's more of a chief of staff type. But, you know, maybe, maybe you don't really want Kerry's personality to drive the campaign, though, because I think that kind of hurt them. Hmm. I don't know. He, the, the Democratic bench is very weak this election. I had a lot of trouble coming up with people. Well, um, there's a weird midterm in 2002 that we didn't talk about. The incumbent party, the Republicans, actually won seats. Right, yeah. Which is very odd mm-hmm. in a midterm, and it's because of, you know, the war on terror. And yeah, all. yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think he's, he's like a rising star and maybe even if this doesn't work out in 2004 who do you want to keep pegged for like future future mm. big stuff you go with warner and it's a, it's a good way to introduce someone to the country yeah <laughs> sometimes didn't really work out for sarah palin <laughs> yeah. well it kind of did for herself but i do think yeah he's been a pretty good governor he did kind of like screw up like a tax referendum Mm. A couple times. I don't know that that would hurt him. I just, I mean, I say this as someone who just picked someone from 
you know, Washington, it's, it's like Virginia is not very close at all. Yeah. I, I do think it's a better pick than North Carolina, which was even less close uh, with Edwards. Are we less worried about state picks here? Again, it was hard this year because like there were like there weren't really a lot of Democrats in Ohio, right? And there were only so many in Florida and, and all of that. So I it's close. It was close enough to me yeah. that it might matter. And maybe you know, again, like it's been only eight years since Clinton won a few states in the South. I know Virginia is not really the South. I mean, it is the South, but I know it's very different than say like Tennessee or Alabama. But maybe there's something to be said for picking someone, a, a Democrat who can win in the South after Bush did very well there in 2000. That's true. And Clinton never did win Virginia. Yeah. That's a good data point. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. My number three pick, I went with Russ Feingold, senator from Wisconsin. He worked very famously with John McCain on campaign finance reform, the McCain-Feingold Act. He was the sole senator to vote against the Patriot Act. He's a fervent critic of government infringing on civil liberties. He also voted against the war in Iraq and would later in 2005 become the first senator to call for the withdrawal of troops from Iraq. You know, he's hitting at kind of Bush's big vulnerability here, the war in Iraq. Wisconsin is also the closest state in this election, even though Kerry does win it by 0.4%. And, and I think there's Feingold is like this charismatic public. He's got this like fighting for middle America message. I think that plays pretty well. Mostly I think Feingold can also drive a message of Bush is a weaker incumbent than he seems and Americans should not let the war distract them from the real problems. You know, Feingold can say, yeah, I've been against the war. This war is terrible. They're using it to infringe on all these liberties, but you're ignoring the problem. Things are not good at home. Mm. There's been this recession. There's not been a lot of job growth since. You know, education reform failed. There's been a lot of domestic failures that we're all just not talking about because we're too focused. And then Kerry can hit Bush on the foreign stuff, right? That's my play. Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting point. Sort of like pointing out that Bush has neglected the home front mm. and focusing on military adventures in the Middle East instead. So I thought about Russ Feingold too. He seems maybe just a little too left wing. He was in the uh, Wisconsin State Senate, and like one of his Democratic colleagues, like called him like a petulant little kid to a reporter. Like he had a reputation for being like sort of like the most liberal person in Wisconsin government, and sort of like being a little bit of a grandstander. He, he was very big on on raising taxes. You know, very big on like healthcare reform, which has not really reached the sort of like popularity it has now. He's a very domestic guy. Yeah. Yeah. But he's 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 like unabashedly liberal, I guess. And just like very big on taxing and spending, honestly. Which maybe we need a little bit more of that, I won't deny. But I, I just I don't know. I just worry that like I'm not saying that you need to pair carry with like a conservative Democrat or like a centrist flat out. But I do almost kind of wonder, it's like, do you get to a point where we have this guy where there's like literal video of him with like shaggy hair and his like Vietnam uniform Mm. rallying against the war and then you pair him with this other just like uber progressive guy, does that drive away some independent voters to Bush is, is my concern. State-wise, geography-wise, I think it makes total sense. I just don't know if, like, Feingold's personality and profile is actually going to help the campaign. I think there's a way to play it. As long as Kerry's still the star, I think you can play Feingold regionally pretty well. Mm -hmm. It's like you deploy him kind of in the Midwest, and you let Kerry kind of do everything else. Okay. 
I don't know. I, I think the domestic play is mostly what I'm going for. Right, right. And I just like that he's like the only senator that voted against the Patriot Act. Right, yeah. Again, do, is, is that a thing the Democrats want, right? Do they want someone who like took that early, who was that sort of like opposed to a lot of the war on terror measures, which like were probably fairly popular when they were enacted? Yeah. Does he seem a little fringier because of that, right? Maybe this is an idealistic choice. Right, yeah, right. That's true. That's fair. I think he'd be a great 2020 vice presidential pick. Yeah. I just yeah. don't know about 2004. Yeah. All right. My number three. I went with Bob Graham. Ever heard of him? Oh, it's been done Third to death, time. Mike. I know. He's like the new John Glenn, former governor of Florida, current senator of Florida. So obviously from Florida, that helps, even though as we talked about, it wasn't as close as it was in 2000. My big reason here is that Graham served on the Senate Intelligence Committee and led the joint congressional investigation into 9-11, and he opposed the Iraq War in that position as well. In fact, he requested a national intelligence estimate in 2002 about Iraq, basically just like, what do you know? What do we know? How confident do we feel about what we know? And said that he, quote, felt like we were being manipulated and that the result was going to distract us from where our real enemies were. So while Kerry could be twisted on opposing the Iraq War on, like, strictly ideological grounds, it's like, oh, he's a hippie, he's a peacenik, he's, he's never liked war, right? Mm. Graham has, like, the actual receipts of, like, this actual war, right? And can make a sounder case. You can say, look, I was in the room where it happened, and let me tell you, these facts do not add up, and Bush is not being honest with you. It's almost like less of a candidate play, it's more of like, let's give this guy, like, a massive megaphone and just have him, like, shout from the rooftops about how messed up what's going on right now is. Yeah. This is great, I just didn't want to be repetitive. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to say Bob Graham again <laughs> when I also had Bill Nelson. I- I'm hard-pressed to find a reason not to put Bob Graham. I-, I do think he has a weaker case this year, obviously, than last year. Right. Just because Florida's less competitive, and I think it just it seems a little desperate to win Florida after what happened. You know, you mentioned his experience on the Senate Intelligence Committee and stuff. I'm kind of tired of this perception that it, he keeps trying to go out of his way to like prove that he has foreign policy credentials. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why. He was on the Foreign Affairs Committee. John Kerry would later become Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't see why people don't see John Kerry as a foreign policy senator. I do not see him as a domestic senator at all. Neither do I. Yeah. But I, I think that it's the kind of foreign policy senator that he was. It was just a hyper-patriotic time in American history, and there was just this perception that, well, yeah, he might know things about foreign policy, but, like, we thought we knew what we knew about foreign policy, and, and, then, and then look what happened, right? He, he would not have been effective. He, he wouldn't have the firm enough hand that the Bush administration has had to sort of kill Osama bin Laden or whatever. For me, when I was making these picks, it was less about, like, Kerry not being foreign policy experience. It was more so about how do we reframe his history in regards specifically to war as a positive or how, how do we some, take some attention off of those because those will get the most scrutiny yeah of like any other candidates kind of personality or behaviors yeah cool my number two i'm with my guy bill richardson secretary of energy and former un ambassador for president clinton he was a representative for new mexico for 14 years prior now he's the governor of new mexico He's got a Latino background that helps you, obviously, in New Mexico, which Bush wins by only 0.8%. Probably helps you in Nevada and the Southwest at large. You know, maybe it pulls Bush away to focus on places like Colorado and Nevada and New Mexico at the least. You know, he's very experienced in foreign policy. He's charismatic. He's done a ton of work on Native American issues, foreign policy, trade. He was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize three times as a congressman for his diplomatic missions. He's both like a prominent foreign and domestic policy pick. (laughs) You may be able to argue he's more qualified to be president than John Kerry. He also just kind of comes across, we talked last episode, Mm. like a little charismatic and like pretty chill, like a fun guy. He comes off as much more regular than John Kerry does. Right. And yeah, he's from an area of the country that Kerry is decisively not at all from. 
even though John Kerry was born in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Latino background, governor, this kind of seems like a no-brainer with the Northeastern senator. Yeah, so, okay, all of that's true. Are you familiar with his, like, espionage issue at the Department of Energy? Yes. Right. Because <laughs> we talked last episode about it. Right, so just to refresh the <laughs> listeners' memories, basically, there was this Chinese-American scientist at the Department of Energy who was accused of being a spy for the Chinese government and held in solitary confinement for, like, months. But it turns out that he wasn't actually a spy, and so he was cleared of all the charges and was released with an apology and actually won a $1.6 million settlement against the government because of all of this. And yet, there's still computer hard drives with like sensitive data that went missing. Oh, Republicans said the Richards didn't come to Congress soon enough with this information. You just combine like the words espionage and like in a very foreign policy focused campaign and Richardson just like fumbling the ball on that. Even though I know it was him being too gung-ho and like putting a guy in jail when he shouldn't have. He's tough. On foreigners. <laughs> I guess I so. I just feel like that that's just going to come out again, and I just feel like that's, that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, you said last episode there's kind of a lot of smoke with Bill Richardson. Yeah. And there's never been, like, any proven fire. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of stuff seems to follow him around. It yeah. sticks to him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot going on here in 2004. Mm-hmm. I, I think, compared to John Edwards, I think this would be a blessing. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> I'm not saying it wouldn't, but, like, people knew about this. They didn't know about John Edwards. Sure. What if Kerry wins? It, could, it was a pretty close election. Well, what if Kerry had won? Who do you want to be vice president? Edwards with what's <laughs> going to happen in four years? Or Bill Richards? We're not saying who we'd rather be vice president. We're saying who would we pick for the campaign, and would, would it give him a better chance of winning? Yeah, but I hope we're at least acting in good faith and not choosing people who are not qualified. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, like... Okay, there's like a million Carrie people. Oprah is never going to happen. <laughs> there are lots of people I would rather be vice president than John Edwards. Yes, like that's, yes. you know, come on. This is all fair. It just, I think Bill Richardson is like a an affable kind of guy that people seem to really like and enjoy and down with. And you don't really see that with certainly not Democratic politicians, but honestly not Republican politicians anymore. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of Clinton-esque, mm-hmm. actually. It's like a guy that just like rolls into the McDonald's and hangs out with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't seem like a wonk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even though he's very experienced. I yeah. think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well. Well, my number two pick, I went with another governor in a swing state. I went with Tom Vilsack, governor of Iowa. Iowa would only go to Bush by, like, under 1%. I chose him basically because, you know, Kerry, Northeastern liberal, well, go for real America, right? Mm. Go for Tom Vilsack. Also boosted Kerry on domestic issues, because I always say Kerry is, in fact, a foreign policy senator. And from just, like, an image perspective as well, he had, like, the state legislator in Iowa was just barely controlled by Republicans, but still controlled by Republicans. Mm. And Vilsack was kind of credited with, with being a very effective leader of that legislator and uniting them for, like, common causes and things like that. So he's a uniter, too, right? He'll bring the country together. He's not one of those divisive Democrats in, in, in the Northeast who, who hates middle America and, and hates you, right? He's someone who wants to bring the country together who knows what it's like to govern in a rural agricultural state kind of like an actual man of the people as opposed to George W. Bush who was like a cowboy born with a silver spoon in his mouth yeah yeah Tom Vilsack is my number one pick (laughs) I just I think he's like a great choice in this election I think it works on three different levels I think it's a state play because of how close Iowa is, I genuinely believe that this tips at least Iowa. 
I think it's a regional and kind of message at large play as the Midwest, you know, is clearly worth some investment here. And both parties have kind of neglected choosing candidates from the region since Bush Sr. chose Dan Quayle, right? <laughs> They're like, oh, God, they're all like this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I think it's a cumulative and like differing experiences play, right? Because like John Kerry does have the foreign policy experience. He's got the Washington military experience. You know, he's one of the most experienced senators of the era. I don't know why he thinks he has an experience problem, but Vilsack was this small town mayor turned state senator turned the first democratic governor of Iowa in 30 years. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I love it. I love Tom Vilsack all the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. Yeah. But now it's because my number one pick. Okay. <laughs> which is Wesley Clark, the retired Supreme Allied Commander of Europe. He also commanded NATO's intervention in Kosovo. He's a Vietnam vet who would serve as Army Chief of Staff and OMB White House Fellow, where he played a role in the creation of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. Like a lot of military higher-ups, he wasn't outspoken about his political affiliations during his career, but he began to identify as a Democrat during the Bush administration. He supported the war in Afghanistan, but he opposed the war in Iraq, and he was said to have voted for both Reagan and Gore, so kind of just like this bipartisan, like, hey, I'm just like America. I, I thought Republicans were cool in the 80s and Democrats were cool in the 90s. And he said he decided to become a Democrat because, quote, I was pro affirmative action, I was pro-choice, I was pro-education, I'm pro-healthcare. I realized I was either going to be the loneliest Republican in America or I was going to be a happy Democrat. Now, Joe Lieberman basically accused Wesley Clark's move to the left and being a Democrat as a act of political convenience because Wesley Clark would run in the primary as a Democrat and, and Lieberman accused him of doing it. It was just being politically advantageous. Maybe, maybe that's true. But he also supported repealing the Bush tax cuts and he also supported universal health care. So if it walks like a Democrat and it talks like a Democrat, it's probably a Democrat. And I pick Clark because, like I said, Kerry's biggest liability is probably that he's the perfect stereotype of a Massachusetts liberal and his opposition to Vietnam will become like a big, big deal, a big stumbling block to him. So Clark gives the ticket just like that extra dose of credibility. Even though we're opposing a wartime president, the Democratic Party stuff for like regular hardworking Americans who serve their country like Wesley Clark. I is from Arkansas. Who cares if it's politically convenient? We're trying to win an election here. You know, you pair the anti-war activist with an actual general. How, how are you going to criticize that? Oh, am I? <laughs> See, I hate this pick. I really don't like this pick. I do think he's a political opportunist. He gave a speech to the Republican Party in Arkansas in 2001 in which he talked about how Bush and his whole national security team are great. Okay, he, he said all this nice stuff about the Bush administration. There's a story about, like, Governor Bill Owens of Colorado and, like, the University of Denver president. They're, they have claimed that Clark once told them I would have been a Republican if Carl Rove had returned my phone calls. And Clark later claimed that it was joking, but Bill Owens and Holtzman said the remark was, quote, very direct and, quote, wasn't a joke. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I don't think this works. It's the Kerry lacks foreign policy, military experience, which we've already have said is bunk. I, I don't think it hits Bush hard at all domestically, which is, I think, where Kerry has the most opportunity. I think he's just also like a space cadet. He's got all these claims that, like, faster than light travel is possible. <laughs> this was, like, a big problem for him in the Democratic <laughs> primaries. Like, I was reading articles. It's like, he made another whoopsie today when he claimed multiple times <laughs> that not only did he believe science was wrong, but that, <laughs> I, I don't know, he believed that we were going to get there. He's like, I just, I genuinely believe there's going to be a way. I also just think there's a little bit of a vindictiveness there. In 2008, after all this, he questioned McCain's service and whether his military service made McCain fit to be president, which is ironic. Yeah, I don't <laughs> really get that. This guy who's never served in elected office. He's not from a swing state at all. In fact, are you ready for this list of states that were closer than Arkansas? I don't really care, but go ahead. <laughs> New Jersey, 
Washington, Delaware, Hawaii, and ready for this, California is only 0.2% less competitive than Arkansas in this election. Is that weird? Yeah, I think it's weird. My main point, I think it's seen as like too obvious and I just fail to see what he gives Kerry in general. And that's why I don't like this pick. <laughs> I guess I don't, like, this is not an era of subtlety, I guess. And, like, so why make the subtle choice? Why make the subtle pick? Why not pander as much as possible is to it, the feeling in the country? Don't you think it would read like you're trying to hide something? No. It's like, Kerry doesn't need to hide his military record. I actually think it's a proven and straight-up thing, contrary to what disinformation campaigns are telling you. But putting an actual general on your ticket with you is just like, no, don't worry about me. <laughs> I'm saying he has to hide it. I'm just saying maybe he needs someone to let... He just needs support. He just needs a booster. And, and like, Clark is like, I was also in Vietnam. I didn't know. <laughs> Hopefully he's not just like, oh, yeah, I knew that's how Kerry Vietnam, too. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it, it, it's less about Kerry and it's more about the voter. And the voter is going to say... We are in the middle of two wars, and I have this president with a nice Texas accent who I feel like I need to support because we've been under attack. Or I can go for this guy who threw his purple hearts away, essentially, in protests of the war. It's like, who am I going to trust more with this war? This guy who was very angry at America, or this guy who the past three years has shown that he loves America so much he's willing to infringe on our personal liberties to make sure we're safe. And I think that being like, well, Kerry can't be that crazy because he did pick a general as his vice president. He can't be that anti-war, and you know, he's probably more pragmatic than I think. Of course I would trust a general more in this circumstance than I would like just kind of like a politician. That's what I'm thinking of, right? I, 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 his opposition to the war is also weak. He said, if I had been in office, I would have voted. Right, yeah, yeah. And then there was, like, a lot of back and forth about what he actually meant by saying that. Right. I guess... He seems to suck at campaigning, I guess. (laughs) That's true. Campaigning that you can deliver faster than, like, travel is a weird thing to start, like, talking about, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's almost like Trump or, like, Biden. It's just, like, it's a weird thing that just someone would say off the cuff. Yeah. That just kind of spirals. Or, like, Gingrich's moon colonies. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think this is smart. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll never know. No. Cool. Trends for Carrie were kind of all over. Mostly governors or senators. Mm -hmm. You had this one general. Mm -hmm. A general hasn't been on a presidential ticket since Eisenhower. Yeah. No, it's a little weird that now we're trying to make it a case. I think it's like that. I'm trying to make it a case? No, both. I think it's been a resurgent thing. Yeah. People really kind of wanted Hillary to put a general on the ticket. Right, yeah. I I think it's just, um, I I do wonder why that is. I think think part of it might just be that parties are, like, a little stronger now. Hmm. And that, like, because with Eisenhower, people, like, literally had no idea whether he was a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah. And people just wanted him to run for president. And he was like, well, I guess I'm a Republican, so he ran as a Republican. Well, he was like, Republicans clearly need a hand. They haven't won an election (laughs) in, like, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. I guess it just seems like it's harder to run on now. Especially because I also just think as war has gotten less popular, it's just maybe a harder case to make in some circles. Yeah. You know, Eisenhower won World War II. A pretty popular war. Right, yeah. War 7. Whereas, like, a general from Vietnam is just not going to be looked at as fondly, nor will a general in Afghanistan or Iraq, quite frankly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Kerry's reported shortlist included, it did include Wesley Clark, Dick Gephardt, it included our favorite, Bob Graham, included Tom Vilsack, and of course, John Edwards. Mm-hmm. All right, on to the Republican ticket. You want to kick us off, Mike? Sure. My first pick, I went with George Voinovich, senator from Ohio and former governor of Ohio and former mayor of Cleveland. Less about Voinovich, the man, than is about geography. Ohio is so close and it's just like so meaty, so many electoral votes. Picking a guy who's been elected to multiple statewide offices seems like a good bet. I will grant that there are some liabilities as far as being compatible with Bush goes because he was opposed to Bush tax cuts and he would actually become a very harsh critic of the Iraq war hmm. and he really really hated John Bolton apparently but hey that wouldn't become a problem until like the middle part of Bush's second term again just like a popular Ohio politician in Ohio will be very smart in fact in that same book I mentioned uh, for hot man who's true enough he, he talks about the swift vote veterans of truth being like conservative disinformation hmm. and after the election he talks about how it was actually a Rolling Stone article written by a member of the Kennedy family where they claimed that like just like in Florida there had been like voter fraud or like manipulation in Ohio and tried they like there were people who were trying to make Ohio into the new Florida and so maybe just shore up that state remove any doubt pick George Voinovich yeah I picked him as like my number one for HW if he kicked Quayle off the ticket in 92 mm-hmm. it's a shame he hasn't come up more I think because he's he said like twice like I don't want to be your vice president <laughs> he just seems like really really good yeah you wish Democrats had a guy like this in Ohio right mm-hmm. like he would be president by now oh, yeah yeah it would be like a no-brainer mm. yeah I, I think it's a very clear domestic play too mm-hmm. which Bush he, he should probably get some domestic advisors who are not also Dick Cheney like yes. he probably needs <laughs> a little bit of help domestically mm-hmm. I, I do think people in this time are still kind of willing to give him and his team the benefit of the doubt internationally. Yeah. I think, like, I, No Child Left Behind was already, like, right. not popular. Yeah. I think yeah. jobs weren't coming back. I think it was just kind of getting worse, mm-hmm. and he needed more help there. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about no subtlety. Mind pick. You think this is in the time for subtlety? <laughs> I went with shameless 9-11 play here. George Pataki, <laughs> the governor of New York during 9-11. You know... Maybe you risk politicizing the strategy, but it's kind of too late. The RNC decided to host its convention in New York City in 2004. I wonder why they did that. I'm going to go with Pataki, because I did think about Giuliani, mm-hmm. the mayor of New York City during 9-11. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Pataki over Giuliani. Who would never politicize it. Well, right. <laughs> At least Pataki was subtle. I'm, I go with Pataki over Giuliani because Pataki was a governor. He's not a mayor. I think it's easier to sell. It's like, I'm going to put a governor on my ticket. I'm not going to put a mayor on my ticket. Come right. on. And also, I, I think... When Giuliani gets in the spotlight, it's a problem for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like, there's always these conversations. Like, has Giuliani kind of always been this way? Or, like, has he just become older and weirder? Mm. Um, <laughs> it seems like he's kind of always been this way, right? It's like his policy d- hasn't changed that dramatically. Mm-hmm. He had some pretty problematic policies in New York. Mm. He cleaned up the city. No, I don't know. <laughs> I-, I think Pataki was just kind of less intimately involved with the 9-11 fallout, which is kind of good. It's like, he's not the face of it. It's like he's not Giuliani on the face of Time magazine, right? Mm. He's just kind of behind the scenes. I also think he just has like a moderating record. Play up the patriotic 9-11. You know, never forget we have to rebuild America. Uh, and, you know, also play off the a more liberal, moderate appeal for Bush. Trying to like pivot to governing for all of America. You know, Pataki was pro-choice. He was relatively pro-gay rights. Though he was against gay marriage. He supported gun control. He had a strong record on healthcare and on education and the environment. I, I think if you're Bush trying to go for a quote-unquote 50-state strategy, mm-hmm. this is the way to pivot to the center and like win over Democrats. Mm-hmm. 
while still having a Republican on your ticket. There you go. I think you're the only person I've ever heard pronounce it as Pataki. Is it Pataki? Pataki. Shit. That's how I've always heard it pronounced. my entire thing all over again? <laughs> That's okay. Oh, I'm going to sound like an idiot. You're fine. Yeah, I actually, I, I was initially skeptical about this pick, but but I, I've warmed up to it since. He would end up winning three terms in a very liberal state as governor. I, I think your logic makes sense. I do wonder if his, his more liberal social stances will become a problem. With like, it, it just seems like incompatible with the Bush ticket. But well, what if Bush is trying to pivot? Maybe America's in pain, and we need everyone to be happy. <laughs> this is a sweet, sensitive George W. Bush. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. But yeah, so I, I could see that being kind of a problem. But and you were kind of phrasing it as like Bush getting help domestically, whereas like I also think you could frame it as like Pataki loved President Bush so much, he thought he did such a good job in New York after 9/11 that he wants to work for him now. Right? There's <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. that logic to it, where it makes like Bush look good that he gets the endorsement of Pataki. Yeah. So it's interesting that you went with that and you're like, oh, well, you need like a domestic person. Because I went with John McCain, senator from Arizona, also very famously a Vietnam War veteran, was actually a prisoner of war for a bit. My thinking here is that hopefully Bush realizes the war on terror is getting like a little out of hand and that Cheney and his cabal are like not making great decisions. So why not go with a foreign policy focused senator who actually knows what it's like to carry a gun and fight in war or at least fly a bomber. You can contrast his stint in the POW camp with Kerry's anti-Vietnam War activism if we really want to get kind of mudslinging there. It's this thing where it's like we're, we're, we're in a different world than we were in 2000. So we, we, need, we need to change a slight shakeup in my administration to really get to figure out what we want to do with this war. Let me turn to like one of the most respected Republican senators, a noted war hero in John McCain. He'll know what we should do. He'll have both the strategic know-how and the sort of like sensitivity to the lives of American servicemen that maybe the Bush administration didn't necessarily have. Do you think it's an admission of failure? I mean, <laughs> isn't any time you get rid of your current vice president an admission of failure? I don't know. I mean, we're going to... We're gonna... <laughs> talk about that because i do kind of have some thoughts on how it could be done okay i can't tell if i like this because it lets bush kind of reset the message Mm -hmm. or if it's just an admission of foreign policy failure it's like bush kind of went all in on some pretty big foreign policy mistakes that he could never really afford to back down from right Mm -hmm. once he went all in it was pretty hard to say i was wrong yeah that it wouldn't look good even though i think it was true (laughs) right and maybe maybe you're 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 getting John McCain not saying like, hey, we're going to pivot. You're you're doing something like, hey, look, John McCain thinks these are all great ideas. You get essentially McCain's endorsement as his running mate. Yeah. And you can sort of carefully steer in some different directions once John McCain is vice president because you're like, oh, well, now that we have fresh eyes on these issues, maybe we should do things a little differently. Fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. All right. For my number one, so we talked about Pataki and how he's, if you're trying to unite America with a 50-state ticket... I think if you're trying to guarantee the win for Bush, I think you go with my guy, former Pennsylvania governor, and now the first ever Secretary of Homeland Security, Tom Ridge. He was my number one pick for Bush in 2000, just because Pennsylvania is a state that will go for Kerry by 2.5% this year. I think it's a good pick this year as well. I think this probably also helps you in Ohio and the Midwest at large. And we've been saying for episodes now, it's like Pennsylvania is a huge state. The Republicans consistently keep getting pretty close in, basically the size of Florida, but they never seem to win it. I just think increase your margins, demonstrate a regional balance, highlight that Homeland Security is important. And Bush just like clearly gets along with Tom Ridge. I think they're just natural symbiotes in a way. Mm double down on that you will win the election it may not be perfect but i think it gets it done yeah the the whole dhs thing which 
I don't actually really understand why Tom Ridge was chosen as Secretary of Homeland Security because it's like you'd think you'd go for someone like a border state or something like that. I don't know. But it feel like it kind of splits the difference between foreign policy and domestic policy. Where it's like, well, he's been working for DHS, so he, he knows what's going on there and maybe has some more advice with there. And also, he was considered like a fairly successful governor of Pennsylvania and kind of like the compassionate conservatism realized uh, while he was in Pennsylvania. So yeah, I think this is this is still a good pick. And like, you know, I, I know I always talk about how I don't like double dipping administration picks, but I do think it is okay if you are replacing a... Uh, you're double dipping in your own administration. Right, yeah, because yeah. then you're like, well... It wasn't that I made bad decisions, it's made that I made one bad decision, singular, so. Yeah, cool. Trends for Bush, kind of all over. You had two senators, I had two governors. Uh, As for who Bush actually considered, so as discussed, Bush did think about dropping Cheney. So former New York Senator Aldo Amato recommended Colin Powell and John McCain. Colorado Governor Bill Owens, Ohio Congressman, now Senator Rob Portman, New York Mayor Giuliani. Uh, George Pataki, and yes, Tom Ridge were all named as other possible alternatives. Speed round, any names might have been fun. So for the Democrats, I went with Dennis Kucinich, congressman from Ohio. I was just thinking of like people from Ohio. I was like, oh yeah, isn't Dennis Kucinich from Ohio? <laughs> and then I read about it. I, I was never like seriously considering him. Yeah. But he was also mayor of Cleveland. It's kind of like a weird dude. He was like known as a centrist as like mayor of Cleveland, but then like kind of like went to the left a little bit. Mm. So maybe there's some like populist energy there that like Kerry can harness. And he's from Ohio. In the same vein, I had also thought about John Kasich for George Bush, who I believe I chose last episode. Also another congressman from Ohio. I ended up going Voinovich instead because I think after the 2006 midterms, Bush is going to want as many allies in Congress as possible. Yeah. And Kasich is just like a very experienced congressman and, and really knows what he's doing. I just You don't you don't want to deplete the Republican bench as it were. Right. And Voinovich was elected to more statewide stuff than Kasich was, who just represents one district yeah. in Ohio. So I almost feel like if you do Kasich, you're making it more of like an anti-Clinton thing than you are like a forward-facing. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I wrote down Jeff Bingaman, New Mexico senator, just another New Mexico guy. For Bush, I wrote down Gordon Smith, senator of Oregon. Stealing Oregon in this election would have been really embarrassing for Democrats, and Bush like comes kind of close. Oregon went only 4% for Kerry. I don't know. It would have been embarrassing. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In conclusion, if you could change the running mate for the two candidates, would you? Okay. I know John Edwards is not the reason John Kerry lost the 2004 election. I don't think he helped him. Right. I, think I don't think he used more help. Yes, like Wesley Clark. Yeah, so I would pick someone else other than John Edwards. I, you would win at least Iowa, right? If you yeah. John Vilsack. Two Johns on the same ticket doesn't seem like it'd work out. It's wrong. Yeah. As far as the Republicans go, look, for the good of history and humankind, would I rather <laughs> Dick Cheney not be vice president? Yes. Do I think that there is a compelling reason to pick someone else? Not electorally, right? Again, it would just not look good. I don't know how you would spin it. And maybe I'm using 2020 brain and not enough 2004 brain, but it's like, I'm thinking like Bush could be like, maybe you just throw Cheney under the bus completely. You're like, yeah, Plame Affair was bad. These other things were bad. You get out in front of it. Like Dick Cheney did bad stuff. Throw him under the bus, pick someone else. But then it just makes you look worse by association. Like, I don't know. I don't think there's any good way to do this. Or, but does it confront the perception that you're just Cheney's lackey? And now you're getting out in front and saying, get him out. And then you're the badass. Right, but then isn't the story still then? It's like, well, why did Bush get rid of Cheney? It's like, well, because everybody said he was Cheney's lackey. It, it, It draws attention to that even more. Sure. I think the way to do this, which, based on what I've read, is what was actually talked about. Take Dick Cheney hunting. (laughs) (laughs) This is apparently what was talked about. Cheney had had heart attacks 
there was like a health reason mm. to remove Cheney from the ticket. There's a there's a conversation that's like, can you do this? Mm-hmm. And you get out and you give a joint press conference. It's like Cheney, for health reasons, will be stepping down. He thinks it's irresponsible. You know, I, I think he's done a great job. You're not admitting failure. This is just a human thing. The guy's mm. clearly very unwell. He's had several heart attacks. Mm-hmm. This is probably not a person you want as your vice president in a situation where all of a sudden terrorist acts are rampant, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, like, scary. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how you could do it. With It would almost play up a sympathy card, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, there was no problem. He did a great job. Uh, it, just for health reasons, he'll be stepping down. It's like, everyone would believe that. He clearly doesn't look so good. <laughs> yeah, that, that would make sense. And I think you can do that to totally spin a brand new message and just be mm-hmm. a better be a better Bush. Yeah, yeah. So I would. I would change both running mates okay. that way. All right. Cool. Well, that's our show. Uh, as always, you can find us everywhere that podcasts are found. Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can find all of our works and writing on thepostwriter.com, including our running mates portal. Uh, in the meantime, I have been Lars Emerson. And I'm Mike Levito. And we will catch you in our next episode on the 2008 election. Exciting. Truly an election of VP contrasts between John McCain and his infamous Sarah Palin and Barack Obama and his infinitely more, perhaps too conventional, Joe Biden. See you then.